1: kick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson, the Bathsaw bandit, David Reed, the chairman of the board. Emma Oatstein is the queen of all things social media for us. Twitter. She's our queen. Facebook. She's our queen. Instagram. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel. If you have an Amazon device, you can find us really quickly by asking alexa to search outkick on youtube we hope you'll share the show each and every day as we are live at noon eastern 11 central and the final hour of the show each day the tennessee power hour we start today with the tennessee titans we're going to get to the headlines including vanderbilt in a moment but paul with the 17th game announced across the league made that official yesterday at the nfl owners meetings The Titans will pick up an extra home game. The AFC teams pick up the extra home game this year. And as we check out the Titans home and away schedule on paper, it is brutal. Uh, West Coast swing uh, among uh, some other opponents on the road schedule. And you see the home schedule as well with the 49ers, the Dolphins, uh, Chiefs, Bills, Cardinals, uh, along with the AFC South opponents. The extra opponent, the 17th game. They'll be hosting the New Orleans Saints.
2: Things change year to year, obviously, so schedule strength is a difficult thing to predict. But based on how people were last year and based on some early moves like Stafford to the Rams, looks like a difficult schedule.
1: And more check travel, out the schedule again More travel the, involved. The, than the, the travel schedule, which we haven't seen in a while, on the road, at L.A., at Seattle, at Seattle and then up north, with the Patriots and the Jets, and these then, are
2: great trips yeah, for reporters. Absolutely. Um, so that'll that'll be really nice. I want to talk about the 17th game edition because uh, I, I visited with Clay this morning. He he likes it. Lindsey Jones likes this idea of regional rivalries. I'm totally against the regional rivalry, and I'm glad they went the direction that they did. And they're not going the regional rivalry direct uh, direction. Look. Uh, there's some very natural re- regional rivalries. Obviously, Jets Giants annually would be fun. Rams Chargers annually would be great.
1: Kind of what kind of what you get in the preseason right now.
2: Yeah, but Titans Falcons or Titans Panthers is not going to create anything big between Nashville and Atlanta, or Nashville and Charlotte that has any meaning. These things happen naturally. The best NFL regional rivalries are taken care of by the divisions, Cleveland and Pittsburgh say, or the NFC North is loaded with them. And, you know, if you give Dallas right now Houston, for the next three years Dallas would be thrilled to be playing Houston. Anything can happen, right? But if you're a Cowboys fan, you would love to be playing the Texans, who are an absolute mess right now. And so I think it messes with, if you were to go regional rivalry, and this is not happening, a uh, a competitive imbalance based on who's good and who's not. If you make it another rotation game that's keyed on where you finish, the Titans were a first-place team. Now they're drawing the first-place team from a rotating division in the other conference, the Saints in this instance. It's another rotating element, and it's a third game in your schedule that's based, based on strength of schedule from last year. You play somebody else that finished in the same slot you finished in. And so you've got two games in your conference that are based on your finish and now a game in the other conference that's based on your finish, That, to me, rolls more systemically and is more related to how teams are. Makes more sense. Plus, now you get to see a team a little more often than you would. Usually that rotation is, you know, you're only going to see an NFC team, if you're an AFC team, in your stadium once every eight years. And now this rotates into the mix. Say if Breeze was still playing, all of a sudden you'd have a bonus Breeze game in Nashville, which would be super cool. For,
1: for fans. Well, the, the only thing I like about the regional rivalry aspect for Nashville is the, the easy drive to Atlanta that we saw two years ago in week four, where Titans fans can go down, have a weekend, do whatever they want, right. check out, you, know, you can time it up where you can check out a Braves game, for instance, if they're in town, if it's a September matchup, you know, and then go to the Falcons game on Sunday and actually make a weekend of it and see your team on the road that that's the only draw for me that I I would say you know what that that makes a lot of sense ultimately though isn't the goal of the NFL to take this 17th game and make it international not regionally but international with Mexico Germany Europe uh, Canada I mean aren't they taking this overseas yeah and also Tokyo well they've, they've conquered the United States yeah in
3: terms of interest and revenue right I mean they they're doing all they can and making so much money here but you look at the NBA and in Europe in China and the amount of money they're making right now and I think you're you're spot on Hutton in that that's the next frontier they're doing everything they can in the United States why not now go branch out and have a bigger following in foreign countries
2: also The goal of the 17th game is to get an 18th game, right? And so you get the 18th game, and then what do you do? You have a regional rivalry game, and then what do you do? See, what they're doing, they can build on that, and now you can play another team from the Mm. the other NFC division that you're not playing, you know. Um, So it it builds more logically. Here's what I'd like to see. I I think they could be creating too much of an inventory for international games. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's a certain degree of overkill with the travel and everything. Expand it, yes. Overexpand it, no. I was talking to, again to, to Clay this morning. I like the idea of, you know, take the Lions to Ann Arbor once in a while, or, or just once, you know, and create a huge event. The Lions are playing at Michigan and there's a one time thing you get to get 100,000 people there it's for a good take game take the titans to the stadium a good game on their schedule take the t- titans to Knoxville and you could say i saw the titans play you'd get 100,000 at, at this stadium you know you bring in a, a hopefully it's a good a good draw game They get they a big the bigger gate and uh, you know maybe well, but maybe if you're you going back to the regional the idea I what if know. you had titans panthers in Knoxville well, Meeting the, in the, middle. the Titans-Panthers game is going to be on the schedule at some point anyway, so you could save it for when that happens, put it there. But if it's a Titans home game, they're most interested in getting Titans fans in there, you know. But if you do one-offs like this and create events, then it's like the outdoor hockey games almost in terms of you can create merchandise for the special one-off game, it's a, a memory book thing for a family. You have the trip that you're talking about. You know, yeah. you could go spend an overnight there or make a weekend of it. E- even from Detroit to Ann Arbor, you know, which is isn't a day trip kind of thing, but you could turn it into that. Um, and, and, and think for the visiting fan that goes, you know, if the Lions are playing uh, the Dolphins, if you're a Miami fan, you go, hey, I've always been curious about Michigan's campus in Ann Arbor. And here's my once-in-a-lifetime chance to see the Dolphins play at a completely random college stadium in the middle of the country.
3: Paul, I want to ask you this about the appetite for NFL games in foreign countries because I would equate it, and you're best equipped to answer this, I would equate it to English Premier League games happening in the U.S. It seems like there would be a big draw and appetite for that.
2: Massive. I mean, what? So, when, but, that,
3: but that's it's, it's the reverse, right? If you... How much is too much if you're going to London or somewhere in England and playing NFL games? Because I would equate it to England coming to the United States and going to different cities in the U.S. and playing regular season EPL matches.
2: You know, England was playing, uh, you know, they play those preseason series here. It's not just England. But do
3: you see the similarity in terms of interest? I mean, the NFL is a very minor sport. In England, but it does have a following. Well, it's done very well. EPL's it, a minor sport in
1: the U.S., but it does have a big following. They're selling out yeah. quickly the four games that they're putting there. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: done very well. And they're regular season games with meaning, unlike these, uh, you know, uh, training games to get ready. Yeah. for soccer season, which do incredibly well here. Who was it? Tottenham that was here. Yep. And, you know, I had Tottenham fan friends coming from other parts of the country and making a weekend in Nashville. I mean, it makes sense to go to Germany and extend the European footprint to places that that like it. It makes sense maybe to have a full regular season of a variety of teams in, in London between Wembley and the new stadium, where they have a, a, an agreement, I think it's Tottenham. But um, I also think it's the logistical thing of regular season and just pulling teams into this tr- travel thing, which is just killer. They also really like that nine a.m. window.
1: They don't where have you to worry have like about 9 the travel as much. Game,
2: A noon game, a three o'clock game, mm-hmm. and and Sunday night football. They're not worried about the window.
1: It's like it's like complaining about oh the extra game is so wear and tear on your body. They don't care about that. They're going to make a hundred million dollars, a hundred billion dollars profit off this next TV contract, and they're now telling teams: once out of every eight years, you're going to play internationally, guaranteed. And we already know Jacksonville's willing to do it four times a year if they'll if they'll allow it. They'll play half their schedule over in London. I don't know about four, but more. They did, they would love to play four. They did, want to do half and half. I, I don't I don't know that that's true. Did did we've discussed that previously they would they would love to do half and half half their home schedule in Jacksonville half their home schedule in London right now it's two games
2: they've invested an awful lot of money in Jacksonville to desert it for half their home schedule Um, is is the I I, I, I don't know that they've said that we'll have to get back to tomorrow after I I, so you're telling
1: me they wouldn't just bolt for London if given the opportunity. I don't think that cons they would, absolutely would take I don't think they would London.
2: bolt for London if given the opportunity, and I don't think it's logistically feasible for the league to send road teams there. Well, on it's not for eights. the league. That's why
1: Sean they would Khan send them for half their- of the schedule there.
2: But it, here, here's the question: it, Does the CBA cover this sending teams over there that often, or is it something that the the players' association has n- zero say in? And I'm curious about that, too, and I'll we'll have to do some research on that. We'll have to circle Straight from
1: the ESPN report, each team will play an international game at least once every eight seasons. Up to four neutral site games will be scheduled with the initial focus on Canada, Europe, Mexico, South America, and the United Kingdom.
2: I, I understand and that. And they also added in Germany. I, I understand that. I'm wondering if there's going to be pushback. At all from players. You're talking about they don't care because of the money factor, which I get.
1: They have the weakest CBA among professional leagues.
2: I understand that, too. But, you know, players are bemoaning the fact that there's a 17th game after they approved it. It, This doesn't mean players are going to not bitch about
1: it. They're getting 48.5% revenue of the $100 billion. they, They
2: want the money, but it doesn't mean they won't complain about it. (laughs) <laughs> they can complain all they want.
3: They'll, they'll take the check. It. They'll, yeah. they'll well, do what they, they always do. They've shown do.
1: us they'll do that.
3: They'll complain and say it's unhealthy, and then they'll take a bigger check and Speaking be Speaking of
1: checks, $300 million check is what we're expecting at Vanderbilt for facilities. We know of at least $100 million commitment from the university. We're going to discuss the details of this with Chris Lee of VandySports.com. A lot of particulars to get into and what it means for the athletic program and the fan base for the Commodores. That's next on Outkick 360 outkick 360 rolls on the big news locally in the state of uh, Tennessee was right here in in Nashville this week for the SEC and for the Vanderbilt Commodores 300 million dollar announcement where they're going to upgrade facilities in the athletic program it is something that we have talked about over the course of the decade that we've been together as a show Whenever we've had this discussion, we've gone to Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Um, Chris, it wasn't too long ago, and Chris joins us now, by the way. Thank you for the time today, Chris. It wasn't too long ago that we were wondering if, if Vandy could get $300. Now they have $300 million. What What was your reaction to the announcement earlier this week?
0: Well, I wasn't surprised, given I'd been hearing it for a while. But at the same time, it's Vanderbilt, right? And... <laughs> If any school reserves the right for take backs, it's Vanderbilt. And so, and let's also point out that they've got to groundbreak and do all these things. And so, everything's not in the barn yet, but a great first step. And certainly, the school has moved a long way to taking off one of the huge criticisms leveled towards it. And I think a lot of people were very encouraged, and I think for good reason.
3: So, Chris, obviously this is something that takes a while to get going and get this level of donation. I know John Ingram was the first donation, $10 million. To your knowledge, was this something that was in the works for a while, and was this something that Candace Story Lee could tell every prospective football coach when they interviewed that this was going to happen?
0: Yeah, it's been in the works for a while. I started to hear – about this time last year that they were looking at committing around $300 million. But again, Vandy being Vandy, you just don't know what to believe and what to trust. Right. But to the coaching element of things, Clark Lee, I'm told had some things written in his contract, some assurances, what they were specifically, I don't know, but Clark Lee is a guy who was going to have some options and certainly had options last year and would have had options next year. And so I don't think it's a job you take. You may not know exactly what's going to happen, but I think you try to get an idea of what's going to happen. And from what I hear, he did that. And I guess we're now seeing maybe a little bit of what he knew.
2: So it certainly seems like as part of this, Vanderbilt Athletics has unlocked finally or broken through the wall that separated uh, university donors from athletic donors. Um, Do you believe that's the case, and how was this finally accomplished when uh, it seemed to be such a high and impenetrable wall and such a problem?
0: That seems to be the case. I think the biggest first step was, I'm going to say last May, I was told that Daniel Diermaier had made the decision to move on from Susie Stalkup, who was their head of development, and they had raised a lot of money under her watch, but I think she had alienated some people. And she was a person that Malcolm Turner, I think, had a lot of conflict with. Is he wanted to raise money and the school did the school's things to wall off donors. I think getting her out of the way was a major step, but it's also a signal uh, maybe to the rest of the school and to people that. We're not going to allow athletics to continue to have the difficulties it's had in the past. And so I think that's a thing where getting rid of her a year ago laid the groundwork for a lot of what you saw today, probably.
3: So, Chris, when you look at what they're doing in this plan, and I love the fact that they came right out and said, this is going to impact football and basketball the most, the, the, the sports that drive the most revenue, the sports that, let's face it, SEC fans care about the most probably in in that order for most schools. But the football stadium, you know, there's one little bit of disappointment, and I know Paul talked about this also, but one little bit of disappointment from fans was that there's not going to be a new stadium, but they are going to do things to help the current Vanderbilt Stadium. From what you've heard about this, will Vanderbilt fans be pleased with what's going to happen to Vanderbilt Stadium with improvements that are planned?
0: Well, I think, Those are last priority, right? They have made it clear for a while that the things we do are going to benefit our players first. And frankly, if they start winning games, right, I think fans would rather go to watch a good team or a great team in an okay stadium than than watch a bad team in a great stadium. And I'm not defending them there, but I think that's where they put their priorities. I think you will see that stadium change in a few ways. I think you'll see fewer people there. I suspect that what they're going to do is they will put a football operations center in the closed end zone. Uh, The word I've heard is they'll knock out around 10,000 seats. So probably be some club seating over there. I think eventually they will rip out some of the bleachers and go chair backs In some areas, I don't know if that's going to be in this first phase of things in the next year or if that's going to be a couple of years down the road. People I've talked to tend to think more the latter. And I've heard eventually that they may put in a suite that would be on the baseball stadium side that would be opposite the press box um, up there. And I think it would allow people to watch both baseball and football games, which would kind of be a neat touch. Again, I think that's something down the road, and and they may not do it. But – I think their priority was to hit performance things like weight rooms and the performance center and stuff like that, that will benefit the the players before it will be the fans. Uh, But I think you'll see some things sprinkled in for the fans too. I know they've talked about better concessions things. I think you'll eventually see like a food court type deal where maybe you don't see the concession stands uh, where they are now. I, I think it'll be maybe a more centralized location which I think would be good. I think it might alleviate some of your your crowd flow issues. Uh, This is a little speculative, but these are things that people have told me at various times. So I think that's what you're going to see. I think that the player stuff will take first priority, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some things sprinkled in for fans in the coming years along those lines.
1: Chris Lee is with VandySports.com, and he joins us on Outkick 360. Chris, let's look at this from a different angle. We have known for years that there has been a separation of power, a split in opinion with the academics and the athletic programs. Are there those at Vanderbilt that are upset with, with Deermeyer for making this commitment to athletics?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are. I think that's one reason you didn't see it before now. I think that anytime you start spending a lot of money on sports and look, $300 million anywhere for anything is a lot of money, right? So I think the thing To me, it's not just the fact that they are committing this money towards athletics. It's also a sign that the chancellor's got the guts to take that crowd on. And to me, that's got significance beyond just what they're about to do, because I think that tells you, you have a chancellor who might be willing to go to bat for sports uh, when other things come down the line. And I think one thing that they need to do is to get priority registration for their football players and their athletes. I mean, they are against the same constraints that the rest of the student body is and so you see kids missing practice and and taking labs at crazy times and i think it just exhausts a lot of the players so that's one thing i'm looking at too is a thing of significance is i think that when it comes to a time to where the chancellor has a chance to do other things to help sports he's already shown that he's willing to go out on a limb for their programs and i think that's a big thing too is it your understanding that the football building is going to be where
2: one of the football practice fields currently is? And do you have any inclination as to where they're going to squeeze the basketball building given the limited
0: footprint there? What I think will happen, and they kind of reserve their right to commit to things, and they just said some things may change. But when I've talked to people, what I hear that will probably happen is they will tear out that closed in zone and they'll put the performance center there for football. I think they will roof in or or close in or or build an indoor facility somewhere where one of the two practice fields is now for football and for basketball, I think what they will do is they will tear down the Palmer field house, which is you are sitting in the closed end zone. If you look diagonally kind of to your right, uh, beyond the scoreboard, beyond the grassy end zone, kind of diagonally to the right there, that's where that building sits. My understanding is that's probably where the basketball court will go, that the practice facility or the operation centers, they call it. Uh, it to me, that's, that's a little squeezed, but I, I'm sure they've thought about it and that's where people that I have spoken to expect that to go. So Chris,
3: from a football perspective, we like what Clark Lee has done so far and we can go back James Franklin while James Franklin could get along with anyone and he worked hard to, to build honest. relationships and have the marketing angle for it. Um, was not necessarily knowledgeable of Vanderbilt and the way things are done at Vanderbilt when he came in Derek Mason. Well we like Derek Mason never really jived with the Vanderbilt community Clark Lee seems like the perfect fit for the vanderbilt fan those that didn't graduate from university but definitely the vanderbilt alum and he seems to have generated some excitement with past players and alumni do you see him right now as a really good
0: fit for what that program needs right now yeah i think you made really good observations there i think he's a great fit um at first i wasn't sure if he should have been the guy I wasn't against the idea But they had some decent candidates and he's never been a head coach and to me that matters but everyone i have talked to has been really impressed with him and look let's be clear there's a long way to go from impressing people in private conversations to winning football games and he may have a lot of things in place that are good ideas and you can still lose at Vanderbilt for reasons we all know but having said that Um, he's been in school there. He knows the value of a degree. He knows what he's up against. He lived here. When I have dealt with him and talked to people who've dealt with him, he just seems like a guy who does not leave a lot of stuff to chance and is also probably more realistic than James in terms of, of where he can win battles and how to win battles. And I think the point that you started your question with was a good one. I think that Derek didn't try to fight those battles and just did not want to rock the boat. I think that James didn't care about rocking the boat and and didn't care about who he ticked off. I think Clark will be kind of an in-between. And while at times I I tend to lean towards more the Franklin approach that you got so little done there that you had to use the hammer when you got it. I think that with the chancellor they have in place and what you've seen from him already, I think he's already laid the groundwork that you can get some things done and I think especially in light of that I think Clark Lee is a really good fit for all the reasons you mentioned
3: and when you look at football recruiting so far under Clark Lee Langston Patterson from CPA that's a big get for the program what they're trying to do locally bringing in Barton Simmons I thought was really clever uh, Vanderbilt um, uh, my neck of the woods they offered two kids from Mount Juliet yesterday it seems like they're really putting a
0: focus on the mid-state with recruiting has that been your impression yeah it has been mine we heard a lot of things like there were certain schools that they just didn't seem to recruit very hard nba was one uh, and my goodness if there's ever a place where you should be able to commit to football player that vanderbilt is the place for you it's nba clark lee graduated there but yeah i think you will see them work smart work hard And I thought the Patterson commitment was big. I mean, who knows? A a lot of kids in that range, that mid to high three-star range, they're they're about 50-50. A lot of times they hit and a lot of times they don't. But I thought that was significant because we all know the negative publicity around that program. It was deserved. We saw how bad they were last year. I think when you can come in that quickly and convince a kid who has a lot of great options that soon who has seen all the warts to pick your school to me, that's a pretty good harbinger for how he'll recruit. So Jerry
3: Stackhouse now going into year three, as he, as he transitions with this program, I guess my question is, Chris, is there any type of transition with Jerry Stackhouse? Is he changing anything up? Is he reevaluating what he's done so far? Or is he going by the same things he told Joe Rex wrote in that piece, that he's figured it all out in college basketball? No one should be questioning him and his record, while I think it speaks for itself in wins and losses, doesn't really matter because he's the one who knows how to handle this. Or do you expect some adjustment with that program going into this pivotal year three?
0: Oh, I think there's going to be more adjustment than he let on. I thought that story was an awful look for him. Um, Again, I think you make a good point. The record is what it is and it speaks for itself. He's got to recruit better. I think that starts with having assistants who are better connected in the recruiting world. I think you'll see him make one change and maybe two to his staff to address that. You know, I, I think that there's still a lot of things wrong with his approach, but I think changing that would help. And I think the other thing, they're on a kid out of Texas named Lee Dort, it appears. He's the 26th ranked player in this class by rivals. He's a big man. They need great players. and They need big men for sure. I think if that's a deal he can close for 2022, along with some staff changes, I've not been very optimistic about his chances to get it done just because I don't think his setup's been good. I don't think his work has been what you need it to be in this league to win. But I think if he makes the changes and he can get a lead door, then all of a sudden you have to start reevaluating a little bit where the trajectory is. Uh, But he's got to get players and he's got to get them soon, and I'm really watching that one for sure.
1: Chris Lee of VandySports.com joins us on the Tennessee Power Hour of Outkick 360. Chris, uh, a new venture for you and, and several riders at Southeastern14.com. A lot of SEC fans viewing and listening right now. And you've got the top three sports covered, uh, including football, but also baseball and basketball at Southeastern14.com. Tell us about it
0: yes it is a site in the podcast that we launched in February so it's still a work in progress but we have decided look everybody loves sec football and we do too and it's a great product and we're going to cover the heck out of it in the fall but I think they also have a really underrated product in basketball and I think their baseball is even better than their football is and I think the season is going to be just crazy good across the league in baseball and you've seen some good results early but Our philosophy is that the league deserves to be covered more than just football. And we're going to cover baseball and basketball and football too, the way that everybody else covers football. And I think if you like the SEC and you want to go to a place where we keep you updated on what's going on at the 14 schools where you don't have to do a lot of searching elsewhere um, and we'll give you opinions. We'll tell you what's going on. We do a podcast five days a week. I think if you're a general SEC fan, uh, and especially in those two other sports that I think are very undercover. I think you'll really like what we're going to have for people.
1: Southeastern14.com, the website, VandySports.com, where you can read and hear Chris's work. Chris, thank you, as always, for the time. Always insightful, and uh, it's just good to be able to finally uh, discuss some, some positive steps for, for this Vanderbilt program, top to bottom with the money invested from the top down.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see a new day over there, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. It. Thanks Chris Lee.
1: You can see the Twitter account there, Chris Lee of VandySports.com. He does great work covering yeah. that
3: program. He w- does. One of our favorites.
1: And props to him and, uh, and others on the Southeastern14.com. Yeah, I'm looking launch. forward to I that. just bookmarked it. Absolutely. Uh, the Preds last night, they win their sixth straight. That's the longest win streak currently going in the, the NHL. They and do it again. W- and once again, you know what else I did again?
2: Did you
3: ride it? I went money line there on the Preds, go. and I went under five and a half. I took Paul's advice. It was five and a half, and I, I won both of those bets on the Preds. Uh, last I time. laid
2: off. I, I didn't want to push my luck. You didn't chase. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't continue to chase it. I thought once was enough. You know what I would started doing? I started my baseball betting. Oh, nice. Got to jump on futures that. bet or? Uh, I what did I make a futures bet on lately? I made a futures bet on Aaron Judge, who sucks. Uh, to lead that uh, AL in home runs, but I also think he's on the a Yankees. loser. I'm just saying, a
1: loser. Also a loser. Um, we found no, that I'm out counting there. on no so, soft
2: tissue in your. <laughs>
3: <on> <laughs> Preds, this one. Preds right he now though, up yoga. not losers. No. Six straight, eight out of nine. At what point, gentlemen, do we start to say, why can't the Preds just be one of these miraculous teams in the NHL that we see Turned every around. year gets that right. gets hot at the right time? And we saw St. Louis uh, fire a coach and go from last to Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup. Mm-hmm. just a couple years ago, right? I mean, I, I'm thinking uh, this is a team that could do nothing right just a month, a month and a half ago, right? And now they can't
2: lose. To me, the big question, and I've been harping on this, is uh, n- once you get to the playoffs, it's about John Hines and, and other coaches around the league and their staffs as to how they scout and prepare for teams they haven't seen all season long while they've played in a limited division and the playoff structure and all of that. And the playoffs have a whole other level of intrigue once you start seeing as as unintriguing as the season has been because of these constant games against the same teams. Playoffs could be better than ever because you have seeing teams that you had not seen all year long. So I, a switch could flip for me in terms of the intrigue uh, on, the, on the matchup front. And I'm very curious, and I, I think it puts a lot of pressure on Hines and, and, and his coaches in terms of how they scout this in advance of potential matchups.
1: Only four teams in the NHL have won more than six consecutive games this year. The, the highest total right now is nine on the season. The Preds have now won six straight. Two other teams have done seven straight before losing a game. So what we're seeing is one of the better streaks of the entire season, Uh, not just some fluke where a team caught fire and, oh, this is just what NHL teams do. This is a a signal that they're playing among the best hockey, if not the best hockey right now in the entire league.
2: I've got an idea.
3: They're not going to keep this level up, but if they could get 75% of this the rest of the way and just make sure that you're in the playoffs and be one of those hot teams come playoff time, who knows what can happen. Should, puck luck. Should, We've heard a lot about puck yeah, luck, right? Maybe uh, puck luck will be in their favor now.
2: I've got an idea, and I, I'm wondering if maybe the three of us should head over there.
3: Let's go. Head over to, go to the Stone. To the, the stone? stone? What's the capacity now at the Stone? I don't know. We had our fantasy football winners last night uh, in the uh, Two Rivers Ford suite for winning the league. Which was reduced league, From, was what to from what? 14 to 8. So I know there's only eight people allowed in the suite. And apparently, they're very big on Among even in the Sto- suites. They'll have someone monitoring your mask wearing. Oh, really? Even yeah. when you're taking a drink, you have to be eating or drinking something.
2: Well, I know three guys that didn't make the cut from 14 to Pat Forty to
3: loves that, by the way. I mean, he's a huge fan of Bridgestone Arena because of that mask policy. I
2: know three guys very well, <laughs> well who didn't make the cut from 14 to 8.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, I, one, I don't two, three. I don't think we should have been. I mean, if there's only eight people, I have no problem. I, I being, agree. But if it was
2: 14, cut. we should have been right at the front uh, of the line. For sure, yeah.
3: yes.
1: <laughs> well, and then Jakob and we Lance. provided
2: and, the damn buck.
1: I mean, we we have eight on the staff right now. We could we could fill one of these suites right now. Right. Yeah, think, So Jakob and Lance have not seen the commercial we were discussing yesterday. The scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it yeah. is. Thank you. Yes, I can remember that. I was I was thinking of with uh, the brother or the boyfriend. Yeah the, yeah, the yeah exactly, but clearly the dad. Have do have they been to a Preds game? Do we think they've been to a Preds game?
3: I think the only time that... If they Yaakov, don't watch TV,
1: do they go to a hockey game? I think the only time that
3: Jakob stepped foot in Bridgestone Arena was the same night I was there when Tool was at Death attacked. metal concert. <laughs> I bet he was at the <laughs> Tool uh, I'm concert. I'm going to differ
2: with you. I think they've both been nice invited as a guest, and they've taken it like the vast majority of Nashville takes it. Sorry, diehard Preds fans. As a social event, they had That's many That's a compliment. I mean, it's a, it's a place to be many beers they're socially active fellows and they're in the in the middle of uh of social events you know we could we could ask them have
3: you guys ever attended a preds game and uh, if not would you like to attend one with us i'd love to attend a game have not okay okay Jakob, that answers one of them i would also love to i've attended one nhl game uh, san jose sharks and i fell asleep
1: so you didn't so you Here went to or at the
2: Shark Tank
3: back in San Jose. You're wow! So neither
1: have been to a Predators game. Let's make at this Brentstone happen. Arena.
3: Let's make this happen. It's Absolutely. like our sons. We love to go. It's like Liam McHugh with supple faces. <laughs> We're gonna take them to the first hockey game. Maybe if you're good, we'll get you some cotton supple, candy.
0: supple bearded Over faces there. Also,
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: shockingly, I bet that I've been to some of the same concerts they've been to. Well, just Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails. Marilyn Manson. Tool. Well, Marilyn Manson was at a Sun amphitheater. Oh. I've not seen him in Bruce Center. Yeah. They're saying no to all of this. Uh, I saw Iron Maiden there. Okay, was not at that one. <laughs> foo
2: Fighters. Missed
0: that
1: one. Foo yeah. Fighters. I had wish I missed. I, I wish
2: I missed that one. It was too harsh for me.
1: <laughs> uh, too harsh? Too loud? Yeah. You know, I struggled
2: with that for Foo, foo Fighters. Fight,
1: yeah, Foo Fighters. Too harsh for Paul. Too, too harsh-ky. harshky. Paul Too key for the Foo Fighters there. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. Uh, we're going to run through some of the YouTube comments as well when we come back. We, we haven't uh, checked in on that with the, the shoes. I wonder if David David is there. Again. He's
2: building our, uh, our desk. He's very busy.
3: Also, what political story do you want us to talk about? That seems to be a, a recurring oh, theme on YouTube David, and on Twitter. <laughs> it's built into
1: Twitter. Tank. David David is now um, he's now critiquing my shirt. So we will uh, we will read this when we come back for uh, is it David David or David David? We'll find out. Let's call him David. On this Holy
3: Week, thank God for David David (laughs) and the material that he's provided.
1: Our king on OutKick 360.
2: Ain't my king.
1: Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. Outkick the show with Clay Travis coming up later this afternoon on the Outkick channel. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe and get the alerts, much like David David has done on a daily basis. Hit one the thumbs of our up. most frequent visitors in the chat. Top complaint, uh, perhaps. This, with- this
3: chat has become one of the <laughs> top chats in the country. I mean, it's it, we need to spend more time talking about these chats. Very divisive. Incredible. Very, very divisive. Like this country. It's really just emblematic of the country right now. Very
1: divisive. It's Twitter and Parlor coming together on YouTube is what this is. Um, And you can see by the comment from our king, David David, on this holy week, who uh, critiqued uh, Chad's shoes yesterday and today. I'm (laughs) doing tomorrow. Critiques my shirt. (laughs) Uh, with the different neck sizes. He doesn't need to wrap his 17 inch neck with a 14 inch collar. Let's get
2: a
3: close up of, it, of his collar. Does
1: it look really? Maybe it's because I had to button this button for the mic today, uh, but this isn't a collar that I would normally button at the top anyway for a tie. You know, I don't have the dad bod like David, David. To, to do that, I would actually wear a more, uh, a dress shirt. With I, a suit I don't know. Instead There's
3: zero problems with the size of your shirt. I, I don't know. I this, mean, again, this is for a, a second straight day. It's like he's choosing a really bad hill to die on. Yeah. These shoes are outstanding. There's no, I mean, denying. again, like, we're, we're being this shirt critiqued is the by, perfect size. We're being critiqued by, by yeah, Achilles, the god himself. Yeah, an yes. invisible man. So,
1: I mean, I, I, I do want to take every word to heart um, because this guy is no doubt a clean bill of health. Uh, who holds down multiple jobs and is not just sitting in front of his computer all day eating Cheetos.
3: D- well, we, we appreciate you being in on the chat and watching the show, but right. Daveed, Daveed, do us a favor, and just like we're having uh, prospective interns <laughs> DM us for this summer, DM us a picture of yourself. <laughs> <Put a>
2: picture.
3: <laughs> yeah. Pick your favorite we'll spend outfit. A a segment of in a yeah. with please, a photo please put it back on me, the camera. <laughs> full body shot. <laughs> full body shot. Pick a shirt that you feel looks best on you, size-wise, everything, pants. Favorite shoes. since you yeah, please, mine. pants. The best outfit you have, send us that picture. What we'll do is we'll take that picture, and we're going to put it up on the screen that you're watching right now on YouTube, and then we will critique you on that day, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, turnabout is fair play. Please, DM us a picture of yourself. It's, <laughs> I believe like the
1: last two shows a tailor. really fun. Picture Brad oh, yeah.
2: Pitt coming. That, that's yeah. David. David. Uh, oh, this is Clive
3: Owen. I'm no,
1: <laughs> sorry. I, I, I picture uh, – What's the Project Runway guy, uh, Tim Gunn, is that his name? Yeah. I picture that as, as David. David. He walks around with, you know, a measuring tape around his neck, uh, wanting to tailor someone a new suit on a daily basis. Yeah,
2: collars have varying heights, and we have varying shirts with varying collars, I, I think you could say. And some are higher, some are lower, some are <laughs> medium.
3: By the way, uh, uh, Jakob back there, uh, he's never heard of there. the Scoop There It Is commercial. No knowledge We've of never it. Never been to a Preds never game. Never been to a Preds game. But Hutton said, who's the guy on Project Runway? And he said, oh, it's Tim Gunn.
2: <laughs> Tim Gunn, yeah, Tim Gunn. He's been a giggler. Very familiar that. with his work. Jakob's been very giggly today. Uh, yeah. I, which he I, snorted a couple I don't know. Gun. Either this means that we're very and funny today. And not just actually out of laughter. Let's check in with Jakob. Uh, have we been particularly funny today? Or are you particularly ticklish? A couple times
3: with the turn of phrase here and there. Yeah.
2: Phrase. Oh, he's singling me out. Thank yeah. you. T- tomorrow, David, David will be singling me out. He's working his way across the room, so I'm going to be particularly. You better be Tim Taylor. Well, Taylor, because we know where he'll go if he can't find fault with the wardrobe. Right here. <laughs> That's what they all Right know. there. And let me tell you, I'm going to go pr- proactive here, David. David, I know I'm
0: bald.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Now, do we think David is? bald or long hair, short very hair. Very fat. He's very, very fat. fat. See, I, no, I, I picture him as thin. No, no he's not thin.
3: I have no expectation of David. David, It's weird. Normally he's you can a slob. get like, this is, this is the guy's background. This is where he's from. This is what he probably does for a living. This is what he looks like. I'm pretty good at guessing no, I, I when got I have an idea. I have no image I, in my head it. of
2: David Daveed. Let me Daveed. Tell you. Go ahead. a slob. <laughs> he wears uh, hoodies he doesn't, uh, he's got uh done, sh- done, sh- done shower very often wrestling hoodies <laughs> this is mark howard no 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 uh very greasy hair It's parted way over here too far over too far over get it way over uh <laughs> i love how you have it down yeah. to the hair part the uh, the jeans they really need a belt he, he went size 45. And, uh, really <laughs> 45, by the way, a very difficult size, size to get, five.
3: maybe 46. Well, he's a tailor.
2: Yeah. That's David Reed. But, uh, you know, he's got a lot of that, that plumbers thing. You know, yeah, like we got You occasion. Yeah. when he drops his sandwich and he needs to pick it up, there's a rare occasion drops where he bends over sandwich. and, uh, and that, that crack is on display for anybody who's around his mother often says,
1: pull his pants up. Oh, so he's young. Does no. he live with his mother? <laughs> Does he live with his mother? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. I got you down, David.
3: David, can't wait to get this picture of David. He ain't.
1: That's not happening. He's he's going to Google uh, copy an image, you know, Brad Pitt, and send it to us on the YouTube chat.
2: David. Um, David Reed did defend us, by
1: the way, in the chat um, as outkick. If I can pull that up, I don't know if we have that or not, but I I can read it. Um, Please do. Reed responded. uh, (laughs) David responded to David. David. (laughs) and said <laughs> triple david do you own a men's clothing store you seem overly concerned over what other grown men are wearing surely you have a professional interest in outkick 360's fashion
3: i look we're looking for any endorsements we can find i mean if this guy yeah, the owns shop. some sort of men's yeah <laughs> the, this guy owns a french, french shop. shop look we have if you look close in our open we've got dimitra caladimos in there she's got a connection to the french shop maybe this guy is casual male xl Maybe he's another, we don't uh, need Excel. What is it,
2: uh <laughs> I don't,
3: there's a, the other stores, boutique places in Nashville. <laughs> if you own one of these places, by all means, please let us know.
2: What's the one that our friend Doug Matthews has a relationship with over McPherson's
3: uh, McPherson's then. I was going to say McPherson's, but I thought that was wrong, yeah. not had the whole time. Here's how out of touch. I am with certain stories that are out there. These are some of their quests. Like I love when we become a jukebox and people are telling us Play what to history. talk about, uh, someone Tom to start the show said, Hey. Any word on the? And I don't even know how to say this name. Getz, G-A-E-T-Z uh, story. On politics. the Getz story. Politics. Just looking for some good, honest discussion about this situation. <laughs> yeah, that's not in our wheelhouse, Chief. Uh, we're not. We're not going there. I say that to know. I don't even know who this person is. I've I've not yeah. seen this story. I've been. Uh, Watching, watching the, the tournament. Watching I've, been, <laughs> I've been I've been researching. Yeah. Sports. What teams
2: what teams he for?
3: I don't know if this makes me uh someone that's irresponsible team. to not know if,
2: who is Gates. He plays for the red team.
3: Oh, okay. But I, yeah. The the guy sending us the tweet or Gates? No, Gates. Okay. Is it Gates? gets I think. Gates, Okay. Yep. Yeah. Again, this is how little I know about this story. I I had no idea. But I find it funny that he was requesting we give honest discussion about it. I don't Facing know.
2: some accusation. Here's what
3: we're going to do with every story, give you honest discussion. We're not going to be phony. We're not going to pretend to be something that we're not. So whatever we talk about, it's going to be honest. Let's go ahead and put that prereq out there for everything we do on this show. Yep.
2: If the allegations are true, they might infuriate you the way that the uh, Mia Farrow-Woody Allen thing I'm continuing to watch. I don't know why I'm watching it. It infuriates me so much. But this guy, Woody Allen, I mean, he set things up, like, with plots in his movies and stuff to cover his tracks and stuff. There's a a Washington Post reporter in there who went to Princeton where Woody Allen, like, donated all of his, like, notes and stuff. And this guy went and looked at scripts and short stories and stuff that Woody Allen never executed. And, like, in every one of them, there's a 17-year-old girl involved with the older man. He's got this undercurrent running in every single thing he writes, like to normalize it so that his real life actions are covered, like because he's got it covered. The the
1: latest uh, accusations and discussion uh, in sports would be with Deshaun Watson. His attorney, Rusty Harden, is scheduled to release or has just released um, eight teen massage therapists who support Deshaun Watson uh, in comments. So that's coming out through his attorney. But again, that's not addressing the the number that are filing civil lawsuits. these were his follow-up massages
2: he just had a massage where he yeah. did something and then not needing any relief of that sort he had a that, massage. that will that be that was the, yeah the, later <laughs> that day
3: the morning massage this is the afternoon masseuse
2: the one yeah, thing i find incredibly incriminating i i sent you guys the link i i imagine you read jenny vrentis's yeah. article in si now here's a, a masseuse remaining anonymous but with an accusation independent of any of these lawyers not
1: involved in any civil case
2: not involved and si you know is airtight they, in the reporting they're cross-checking it with people this masseuse talked to right after the event the masseuse that sent her to sean watson as a client who she spoke to immediately this is a very incriminating story because it's detached it's yeah. a, a third party that's detached from either lawyer completely separate of everything I found that exceptionally incriminating because it's totally separate of everything, and it did not paint him in a good light at all. I
3: just think you get so many of these stories, and the Jenny Varentis piece was good, and that story is very similar to every other story that's out there, that this is not a coincidence. It's a trend. This is a, yeah, it's it's gotten past just the point of trend now. This is this is the M.O. of, uh, of Deshaun Watson, according to all of these accusers, and it's, the stories are just so eerily similar, even down to how he reaches out to them and contacts them on Instagram. So, not looking good for Deshaun Watson. Not at all.
1: Uh, maybe some clothing that David David would approve of is Outkick 360 gear. No, and we have the 40% off through today. Merch Madness is the code. Outkick 360 gear, but also all Outkick gear. Outkick.com. Click on the Shop tab at the top of the screen. You'll see everything available 40% off through today when you use the code MERCHMADNESS. Use that code. uh, The items arrive quickly. Finished a month strong. And you get everything 40% off with the code MERCHMADNESS. Again, do that today at Outkick.com. Also coming up on the site, Clay Travis with Outkick the Show. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Check out the podcast as well, which is available wherever you download podcasts, and we hope you'll rate and subscribe to that as well. Thanks for joining us on what was day 13? 13. Day 13. Do it again tomorrow. Day 14. Day 14 tomorrow. Join us then right here on Outkick 360. Please, don't
0: block the box, but do lock the locks. See ya.